Welcome to the Seven Ways Podcast, Safer Shoftim, the Book of Judges. In this downstream from religion, season three, feel free to email me with comments or questions at rabbi at rabbibailey.com. Any kind of comments, questions, critique, etc., feel free to send it my way. This section with Gidon, beginning with Parak Vav, chapter six, is the most quintessential part of Shoftim. We started out with Chesed, Ehud, and the dangers of postmodern thinking, including everything. Gevura with Shamgar, the dangers of lockdown and siege, not eradicating aggressive evil. Teferis with Devorah and Barak, the message and the medium, which is perhaps the most relevant to our times as media, social media, information, have become the most effective currency and influence. Now we turn to Gidon and Netzach. It's perhaps the most quintessential Shoftim part of Shoftim, the most powerful, relevant messages that we can generate from this book. The story opens up with B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish people, being delivered into the hands of Midian. Here we go with Midian and Amalek again. They have their resources uh, pillaged and plundered by Amalek and Midian. The question is, why is this the particular punishment and why from these nations? As we continue, uh, Gidon is found on a threshing floor by a Malach angel. And he ends up using God's name when he reaches out to speak to the angel. Uh, second question is, why does he use Hashem's name? We are not allowed to use Hashem's name so casually within conversation, even a greeting. Story continues. Gidon uh, debunks idolatry in front of his father. It seems to work. Then there's the famous story of Gidon and the small army defeating Midian and Amalek um, as opposed to a big army. And then uh, Gidon unfortunately has his achievement. His achievement is undone. So what significance is there of his father on the threshing floor, especially at that point his father was an idol worshiper? Why do we need to hear about that? And at the end of Perches, his achievement becomes undone. Why is it that the aphod becomes a stumbling block? The Baalim appear again, and this Baal Brisk God, we've not mentioned this Baal Brisk God before. What significance is that? Why is that a potent um, antagonist to Gidon's Netzach. Initially, to answer question one, you know, I began thinking about this uh, klala, this curse that they have of having um, the resources taken. I began thinking about the second paragraph of Shema, but over there it seems like sort of a natural, seemingly natural curse from God from the earth. However, I saw in Sifri Devarim Yudalef, Sof Pasuk Yudalef, there's a midrash that the second paragraph, Shema, is specifically linked to this section. So it's a Midian and Amalek. Enemies can come and take our resources if we're doing a Vodazara and a Veros. So immediately, this connects to Netzach, Gidon, and Shoftim. Amalek comes because they're the anti-religion nation, destroyer of religions. They're deconstructionist, Suffolk is the gematria. They cool off the passion, 
cool off the religious fervor, as it says in the Midrash that we brought before. This is not the first time we've met Abbat Amalek. He's also with Gidon, and we'll understand the, um, I'm sorry, with Ehud. We'll understand the Chesed Ehud and the Gidon Netzach connection soon, as we've mentioned before. And Midian is here too, because they are the anti-religion nation that replaces it with an idolatrous religion. Amalek is anti-religion, destroyer of religion. Midian, Midian is anti-religion, replacing with a different religion. And many times in history, uh, communist totalitarians come along and they hire anarchists to do a lot of their destruction and their bidding. It seems like anarchy, but it's always pointed um, destruction, paid off to stop the opposition. So here, it directly relates to the spiritual battle that's going on. This is a spiritual battle in Shoftim, a spiritual issue, not just a physical issue. So because the Jewish people are not doing mitzvahs, they're doing idolatry, they deserve to have their resources uh, taken away. So we ask the question, why is it that Gidon begins, begins using God's name in casual conversation? This connects directly to Midrashim and to uh, the Book of Rus and Boaz. Very interesting. They made a Takana, an edict, about something seemingly very, uh, a very seemingly severe crime to, as an Avera, to use Hashem's name in vain, right? Shov. But they made a Takana that you can use it in uh, casual conversation, right? You learn Gomorrah and the Book of Rus. Boaz, who lives concurrently with our book, he's identified as Ibtzan, perhaps. It's a Midrash. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi says three things. The Beisden made down here on earth, and the Beisden in Shemayim up above agreed to it. Reading Megillah, and Shela Shalom Hashem, using God's name to say hello, and Havas Meiser. So, Hashem Imcha Giborchayo. In the beginning... It was forgotten from Yisrael to use God's name. And the Zekinim brought it back, as it says in Ruz, he knew Bozba. So whether it was new or it was rejuvenated, this is not a casual thing. They said it must be important to start saying God's name again. And, it, and this exactly is understood in context. It's always bothered me. I mean, it's such a severe vera. But it's so just colloquial. Why do you make a takana to? And it, let me bolster the question. It's called It doesn't just say, oh, yeah, let's make a takana that there's a great area. We're passing this way. It's a harasha. I mean, we're talking about Elio and Har Carmel here. We're talking about breaking the Torah to save the Torah. <laughs> That's where the question's coming from. So I believe the answer is here that they needed a Kaddish Baruch Hu in everyday life. They, ha they did not have mitzvos. They did not have Torah, but they needed to start speaking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, speak about God. It's, it says about Yosef that the name of his master, Hashem, was Shagur Bapiv. Even though he was in the most secular of places, he was deeply connected with God. He spoke about a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So in these times, in order to bring back Kaddish Baruch Hu into everyday life, they had to start speaking about God. This is part of the grassroots spiritual battle that we're dealing with here. This is step four in our seven steps of, seven steps of kingship. Netzach. Netzach is not just Torah study. It is 
bring spirituality. It is a war of spirituality. When, when Moshe Rabbeinu lifted up his hands, that inspired Kalah Yisrael, the Jewish people, to be spiritual, and that's how they won the war. There's a connection between the spiritual war and the physical war. And then these midrashim here about Hashem um, Yimcha using God's name, it connects directly to the next question and answer. Uh, it was based on the Pasuk, Al Tavoz Ki Zikena Yimech. I'm butchering the Nikudos here. I just have it in front of me here in the midrash. But don't forsake your elderly mother. You Don't forsake the uh, Torah of the father, of the old man, of the ancestors. Here, it mentions that he's with his father for a very specific thread within these prakim. You know, whenever whenever a nation wants to conquer another one culturally, they go after the children, they go after education. Okay? Totalitarianism, communism, etc. So the fact that he's here with his father is significant. His zechus, his merit that he had was not Torah study. It was the behaviors of Netzach. It was the behaviors of religion and spirituality. He was out there threshing in the wrong place, right? <laughs> he was threshing in a wine press. He was hiding. He and his father were hiding from the evil people. He was still with his father. He was respecting his father. Kibud Av brings him zechus, respecting his father, one of the Ten Commandments. One of the two commandments, it says, Arichas Yamim, a person gets long life. He was engaging in this mitzvah. And he was able to change his father. Perhaps he saw some doubt in his father's eyes, in his brain, that he was able to bring him to the point of doubt and perhaps monotheism. He respects his father. And that enables a malach to come to him. I mean, think, think about apprenticeships versus going to school, you know. Children go to school, they're away from their family, they're separated from their family like the communists like to do, and they spend a lot of time with very dedicated women doing mysterious nefesh, but they're here, be nice, be nice, sitting and having to listen to lectures or lessons. It's, it's a Prussian model. It's not the apprenticeship in the home model. In Bava Basra, it speaks about how they, we used to be learning at home. It was a huge shift to be sent away to yeshivas and um, elementary schools, etc., but can imagine an apprenticeship with your father, uh, who, a healthy father, and training someone in uh, in viva, wrestling bulls and being strong and calves and teaching Torah, telling you the halachas of what you're doing. That's powerful. That is this paternal Neitzach. Ihu ba'aba, right? The father and the mother, the Neitzach and the Hod. He was able to be nurtured, his testosterone built, his muscles built, so he can be someone who's physically and spiritually a leader. And it's pointed, it's, it's almost poignant that it's without Torah. The normal Moshe Rabbeinu, Devorah, Netzach, Torah. It is, it's the other side of Netzach, the multi-sided die. So Gidon is bringing Midas to Netzach to fight the Netzach of Tuma, the, the, the dark side Netzach. The Netzach of Avodah Knowledge is not of the essence. It's a muna and dedication to, to Kaddish Baruch Hu, to recognize God, to have God in everyday life. And that's what a Kaddish Baruch Hu says to Gidon in Perak, beginning of Perak Zion. I believe, Bays, the people that are with you are too numerous for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest pen Israel vaunt themselves, saying, My hand saved me. 
right? We shouldn't have the old it needs to be a small group of people who don't bow down and drink from the river in the ways of Avodazara. They must be totally pure of heart. And they end up with the victory. And to me, in terms of our taking initiative thread in Shoftim, it's very poignant when Gidon at the beginning says, why hasn't Hashem saved them? Hashem says, you're going to be saving them, buddy. <laughs> it's going to be you, my friend. You know, we, we, people cannot sit around and wait for the Savior. They must think we need to be the, the root of this. It starts with the ruchness, the spirituality, and it ends up with a physical war. We can't wait. Like the Osniel ben Kanaz, uh, Perak, the very first Shofit, the Malcha Shofit. We talked about whoever you like, whether it's a CEO, it's a Trump, it's an Obama. Let's not even mention things to make people on edge. Whoever you think is your great leader and savior, they can't do it with physical prowess alone. He will take initiative to bring a spiritual message. The Netzach here is not learning Torah. It's about spiritual amuna, faith leading to physical victory. Amalek is the anti-religion, destroyer of religion. Midian is anti-religion, replacing religion. Listen to this. The Mishnah teaches, Rabbi Meir says, it is prohibited to sell even a good palm tree and a chatzav to Gentiles. Rav Chista said to Avimel, Avimi, it is learned as a tradition that the Masechus of Vodazara, the tractate about Vodazara, that Avraham Avinu, that Abraham had, had 400 chapters. We learned five chapters and we don't even know what we're saying. <laughs> It was massive back then. Think about the numbers four and a hundred, right? Four is is Netzach. It's the fourth step in the process, and a hundred is considered total totality universality, the biggest roundest uh, number in that area. These religions are anti-religion. You know, I mentioned in the introduction the baffle. This baffle mat that's very popular, even was on clients' shirts that I had. You know. This nasty goat creature with male and female features, and uh, it has Latin words on it, salva coagula, one finger up, one finger down, dissolve, and join together. The idea is to disunite the pieces and put it back together in the inappropriate fashion, the Midianite fashion, the, anti, the, the religion of anti-religion. So we're getting back into separating and joining. The reason why Gidon comes in Menashe and near Ephraim and in the Joseph tribes is that, um, again, Yosef and David Melch, the divide. Yosef is able to connect with the outside world and bring in what's quote-unquote secular. The rest of the Jewish people are more insular. They need more boundaries. So Gidon is there within that shavit to make sure that the Yosef mentality, to make sure that the people from Yosef family have a conduit to the outside world. And Gidon's message is to keep a filter on that conduit to make sure what enters is kosher. The filter on the kosher conduit, and perhaps that's why, if you look later, Gidon doesn't muster up Menashe and they're upset about it. Perhaps Menashe has a weakness in the physicality realm. The Gashmias, the secular realm, is something that they have to sit out, sit out this round. And Gidon saves 
the world right in their face. It's a lesson to them. We will have a part two, I believe, God willing, of this podcast for more of those details. But question, the last question. Why was Guidon's achievement undone? First, he makes an aphode, this um, religious apron. So Guidon meant to show them symbolically that physicality can go from selfish gashmias, selfish physical indulgence, to religious items. He had these Yishmaelim, he had these people take off their gold and made it into this aphode. He wanted to show them tangibly that the physical physicality gashmias can go into a religious item. But the problem is, once again, as we see countless times, tokens are spiritually dangerous if they're made into something physical. I believe this is what happened with things like the Khamsa. If you disagree, just listen to the idea. I believe this whole Khamsa was sort of a diagram to remind someone about Hashem and remember you can count Hashem in between your fingers and this and that. But if people believe that the Khamsa itself, that the red string itself causes something, that is power outside of Hashem. And that's the mistake. It's, it's very dangerous to have a physical place. And that's why this whole Machlokas Rashi Ramban, were we supposed to have a physical house of love and prayer in the base of Middash, in the Mishkan, Mishkan, or is it Bedievid, post facto? Is it after the spiritual damage we had, the Zuhomasa of the Egel Zahav, the golden calf giving us spiritual damage, which is in part very visual, as we see with idolatry, viscerally visual, do we need a physical place to assuage that part of human nature, or do we not? So here, Gideon tried to say, fine, if you can't appreciate what's intangible, I'll give you something tangible. But they started to be spiritually mistaken and degrade themselves. Next, the Baalim. It's interesting, this Baalim here is, of course, the Baalim we've mentioned many times, the powerful male archetype that partially devolved into the ugly goat archetype. Interesting, This the Midrash directly connects this to uh, Vayiznu, this, um, you know, whoring after one's eyes. Excuse my language. Here, Horavera. It's just thinking about it. They fantasized about it. Instead of thinking, thinking about Torah, filling our minds with God. Not just our behavior and our speech, filling our minds with God. The whole CBT triangle. They were thinking about how they needed this power from somewhere else. There, There's still a space inside the mind, inside the being, for a Vodazara to exist. And that's one place where uh, some of the opinions are, it's still forbidden. Thinking about a Vodazara is forbidden, it's anti-God. And they went down to the Zuvu. What is this Balbris? I mean, unbelievable. What? I want to blow your mind right now. This is something that seems just asinine. But that's what they were doing. What is the Balbris? Well, it's a, it's a little fly. Lord of the Flies. It's, I once had a client talking about Balzabub, and I was like, what? Oh, Balzabub. Yeah, okay. It's this fly god, lowercase g. So it means it's a little fly inside of a, oh, a wagon, a chariot, or just a fly with horns. Or everybody had their own little tiny god in their pocket, and they would take it out and kiss it. What does this mean? So let's get back to the Klal and Prat. We talked about how Chesed is a Klal general. Klal general. Gavur is a Prat specific. Those are dominated by those themes. Tiferes is the Klal Shiva Prat, the general within the specific. 
So Hode tells us every pride, anything separate, is significant. It's special. It's great. Aaron Cohen saw the specialness in people, and he was special. Oh, but Netzach tells us every little pride, every little tiny thing, has to be brought back to the claw, my friend. Every little thing has to be ground up in the filter of kosher, in the grinder of kosher. Is it kosher? One cannot believe in all the mitzvot and say, "Oh, this one, nah, that that doesn't make sense. I don't like that. It doesn't make sense." They need to say, "I gotta understand that. I don't quite understand it now, or I believe, but I still believe." Um, someone once told me, "I believe in all them." That that whole wiping out Amalek thing, oh, it's just wrong. It's just against what we believe in our society. I didn't say anything to her, but uh, my goodness, isn't that the point? If God tells you to do something, it's God. It's Kodesh Baruch Hu. And Amalek specifically, super evil. God is testifying that man, woman, child, and animal then needed to be taken away. It's it, it it's not something to inculcate upon the heart, but we we must listen. So here, you can't have a little bit of heresy, <laughs> a little bit of heretical stuff. Listen, if someone indulges in inappropriateness or um. Indulgences, if it's addiction or mistakes, or they're still growing. I'm not talking about being hard on yourself, so don't be hard on yourself. I'm talking about sacrilege. You know, when Acher, when Elisha ben Nevuya, the Gemara in Chagiga writes, when when uh, he gave his Talmudic discourse, he gave his shear, he was amazing. He stood up, he had the heretical books fall out of his shirt. You know, we can't indulge in things that are heretical. We can't maintain them. They all have to be eradicated. So this, the prot, every little tiny prot, every tiny little detail has to be kosher. That's it's amazing. Zavuv, it actually makes tremendous sense. It's parallel to a tiny fly, the tiny fly, the tiny little lowercase g god is what got him. It's the anti-Netzach. Ah, it's beautiful. It blows my mind. That's ah, it's good stuff. Thank you, Hashem. We have to remember you can't not have one little smidgen of a vodazara. That's and that's gidon. Gidon comes from geda, it means a stump. Because it was hacked, get a, it was hacked down to a tiny bit. It's a, it's a mitzvah to uproot and get rid of every little smidgen of avodah There's no such thing as a little bit of avodah a little bit of foreign worship in one's life. It must be gotten rid of. And on the flip side, even if spirituality spirituality has been diminished, holiness has been hacked away, there is always room for that stump that seed to regrow and become a mighty tree. That's what Gidon teaches us. In our times, things keep looking bleaker every day. With spirituality dis diminished and power in the wrong hands, but we must work on the grassroots movement of Ruchnius, spirituality, towards the seven steps of Malchus. It is a spiritual war. Moshe's hands influence the battle against Amalek, right? We must direct our hearts heavenward to achieve spiritual and physical victories, to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God, into our everyday life, bring God into speech, thought, and action. And then we bring holiness to ourselves and redemption to the world. Thank you for listening to the Seven Ways Podcast, Sefer Shoftim, the Book of Judges, on this downstream from religion season. Please reach out with an email a comment or a question, rabbi at rabbibailey.com. May you all have a blessed day.